Welcome back to Morning Shot Uncut, the unfiltered podcast of the Morning Shot YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us. And today we're going to discuss uh, why the ANs and the EFF, not the EFF, what am I talking about? Why the ANC and the yes. DA should go into bed together for the next election. And we're going to talk about the benefits. We're going to talk about the art of the possible. We're going to talk about the cons. Most importantly, we're going to talk about the history of coalitions with the ANC and whether this thing is actually worthwhile. Joining me, of course, is Byron from Kabuki Land, where it's very hot and there's a drought. I'm in Joburg, where it's been raining for the past 10 days and therefore no eroding the very nature of the city because it's breaking everything and nothing can be fixed. Welcome to Africa. Yeah, I heard in Joburg that uh, apparently your new mayor has uh, said that if anybody wants to know anything about their corruption uh, teams there, they should ask the previous mayor. Oh, wait, she's not around anymore. So, uh, okay. Yeah. And he also said, if you want to know anything about service delivery, ask her. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's the mayor. I think the rain has also eroded, like, sort of the, the you know, the, the, the nature of how corruption works in, in Joburg. Everything just comes to a standstill, like traffic lights, because it's raining. Or you have an Aljamar mayor. Either one. But anyway, speaking of Joburg, I think it's a good example of why the ANC and DA should actually get into bed and become coalition partners. Because then we wouldn't have this nonsense of like this weird small Sharia law-based party taking over a huge municipality. So this is mm. in the news because Johnson Hazen says they might consider the DA I'm talking about going into bed with the ANC for 2024. And of course, there's been outrage across the entire nation about this how could they how could they how could they but here at morning shot we think it might actually be a quite a good idea yeah so originally we you may recall when we were in parliament we actually discussed this with john right and we actually mm. said like what do you think would you do this and we had a long we had a long discussion with him and um you and i were both deeply against this we both thought it would be a terrible idea because where we've seen some forms of coalitions and in, in other sides of the world we've seen that the the junior party in the coalition generally tends to get swept away with the uh, the senior party. And as a result of that, what it effectively means is that come the next elections, the junior party is nowhere to be seen. So I think, you know, a good example of that is um, the Lib Dems in, when they first partnered with uh, David Cameron in the United Kingdom, the Conservative Party, way back when, in order to get their majority. Now the Lib Dem party is like non-existent. Um, the same goes for MDC. Uh, in Zimbabwe, when they partnered with uh, Mugabe's party, ZANU-PF, and as you'll know, after that election, nobody really voted for uh, MTC because that just disappeared. And so I think a lot of people are kind of like, how could you? Because it seems like the DA would get four years of possible power, and then they'd be like, be assigned to the dust heap of history because everybody would tar the DA with the ANC brush. Yeah, But you know, I I did a lot of thinking about this and I did come to a conclusion that I think it is for the best. And I have two reasons for this. The first actually relates to John himself. And that is, it is undeniable that John is a, a white bassy, yeah? Like, you know how everybody will frame him. And as deputy president, I think it will be a really good show to the country that just because you've got a Wati there, even as deputy, but they didn't come back. And I think that's a, that's a really, really big victory for the DA. Because as you know, one of the ANC slogans is you better vote for the ANC, otherwise the apartheid will return. And um, I think if they 
have some levers of power and they show that there is no apartheid, I think that's that's quite a big winner. And that actually lays some really good groundwork for the future. Um, the second thing is that it would allow the DA to take certain forms of ministerial roles and possibly at least advance those portfolios. So you may have something like, you know, the finance portfolio that could, at least for that time, start reintroducing the private enterprises to South Africa and potentially deprioritizing state-owned enterprises. And while that would be important, and I can't see it being done with the ANC, is that the ANC is too aligned to its union partners. Mm. And at least if those portfolios were in the hands of, say, the DA, the ANC would be able to go, well, it's not it's not our fault. I guess the DA, right? I mean, yeah. the DA is doing all this. And so they could, they could, to a degree, take the easy road and allow someone else to take the hard policy decisions that they that they're never going to do. So I did think about it and I was like, there are some downsides, but I can also see the positives. How about yourself? But also, I think it's important to frame it correctly as well. We live in a democracy, for better or worse, I think for worse. But we live in a democracy. The, democracy is the art of the possible, right? So we're not saying ANCDA coalition is the best outcome. It is what are the other potential outcomes out there that it is against? What are the necessary, mm. what are the evils that we are pitting against each other? The biggest one is no doubt ANCFF, right? That's straightforward Venezuela, straightforward Zimbabwe. The second one is ANC plus Smolenyana ISIS parties like Good and Al Jamar. That will just mm. give the ANC free reign to do whatever it wants, which is not great either. Well, Miles will just be a majority at that point, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. The alternative to that is what? DAEFF, never going to happen in terms of numbers. And I doubt the Freedom Front Plus, uh, PA, and variety of others will work with the EFF and the DA together. That is probably the most shakiest coalition that you could find. So out of all the possible options, based on how the election results go in 2024, the best option is probably the DA-ANC one. Not because it's utopian, it's just because mm. out of the art of the possible and out of all the evils, it's probably the less evil one. Number two, based on that, what are the benefits of this? And I think the benefit that you put there in terms of having a white person in a big political position is huge. I think it's massive. I think people really underestimate how important that is in South Africa. And, I, and I, I want to clarify there just so that we don't get the allegation. That's not because we're going white power and white excellence. Like that's, uh, we're not black nationalists. Huh? We're not I'm black nationalists that. just talking about black, black excellence here. We're basically saying, or, or at least my argument is, the rationale for it is so that we can show that just because we've got a whitey there, apartheid didn't come back. And I think that is such a huge mindset victory that for 2028, it gives the DA the possible platform to actually win a majority. The DA are never going to win a majority like they are. It's just not going to happen. Neither is the Freedom Front Pass. Neither is my boys, the ACDP. Like they're never going to win. And, you know, they're never going to win a a majority. It's just not going to happen. But if they can show, if they can destroy all of the narratives around which the ANC frames why it should retain control, I think it opens up the possibility, even if it's not for the DA, even if it's someone else, it at least opens up the possibility that life outside of the ANC is possible and the apartheid will not return. Yeah. 
And I think that's very important. And that's very, very important. That's one of the benefits, a huge one. A second mm. benefit is we can see the ANC for all its talk about ideology mm. and the NDR and all that. It's a bit like a, a, a sort of a ship without an anchor. When it yeah. goes to the EFF, it becomes more radical. When Cyril comes out to speak at the State of the Nation, it's far less radical, and he wants to give tax incentives to private businesses to put solar on roofs. Like you can't, you can't put these two things together. It's hey, a you know what? Phrenic party. At the end of the I've day, I've got to give you a talking point there. I actually what? read the president's speech. Yeah. And there was a line that he said that really stood out for me. I mean, we watched the whole thing, right? So, mm. and I got so bored at points, I actually felt the need to go read it because, like, did I miss something? And there's an actual line he says, and he says to help people become self-reliant in his actual speech. Exactly. Which is very much a DA principle, right? So a lot of the criticism about the DA ANC is that, oh, well, the DA will lose itself in the ANC. The ANC will eat it for lunch and spit it out and there's the DA gone. I think the opposite could be true, though, because the, it's the ANC that's rootless. The DA, funny enough, under John Steenhazen, our boy, because we are DA shields after all, under John Steenhazen, DA has sort of created the roots that define it a lot better than it has done in the past, well, under Musi Mamane, to be honest with you. So if mm. the DA is quite strong in terms of what it believes in and in terms of the policies it can put in as part of the cabinet of South Africa, the ANC will no doubt have an inclination to go towards DA positions rather than far-left communist positions because it will mm. help the ANC electorally to be more liberal. Am I wrong in that? What do you think about that, that aspect of a benefit of this coalition? I think that the ANC has a real problem in that it likes to pretend that it actually has a lot of principles, but I don't think it does. I think the ANC's governing ideology is that it's a liberation party, but it's got nothing left to liberate against. You know, the war the war's being fought, and so occasionally they come up with wars to fight. Oh, it's you know, white monopoly capitals because too much too much of the economy is in the hand of the Watis. It's it's uh, you know, foreign foreign powers because there's too many, you know, foreign investors in the country. They want to liberate because there is no ideology outside of central command and 50s era Soviet doctrine that I don't even believe they believe in anymore. I think they look at some of the 50s level central command ideology and they probably say things like, this could be really useful for me just to get my own way because then I don't have to kind of like have checks yeah. and balances. But do they actually believe in Leninism? I don't think so. And if you've got a party in in, should we say, co-power, I think it will be very easy for that party to provide some form of ideological framework from which they could, should we say, work off of. And we know this to be the case within the ANC because the parties currently providing the ideological framework are the South African Communist Party. Yes, You don't even get a vote, mate. They, they're not even on the ballot box. And in a couple of times they have tried to win or run on by-elections on the strength of themselves, they get like single digit votes. Nobody votes for the cunts. Yeah. Worse than good. They all, yeah. It's worse than good. Who gets like, if you remember that uh, video of, you know, Patricia DeLille driving through some, some location waving to people. And when you actually panned out away from her waving, it was an empty street, not one person there. No, there was an so, ostrich or a sheep or something. I think she was waving to that. But, but I, 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 I think people sort of underestimate overestimate the ANC's capabilities and, and underestimate the DA's capabilities. I think if the ANC can understand that a 
they leave the hard work to the DA. They will reap the benefits thereof. But the DA does the hard work. And therefore, the ANC would naturally progress towards having that framework for themselves in time to come. Then they don't need the communists. Then they don't need the unions. Then they don't need all these so-called partners that they have today. Because that entire tripartite alliance is based on grift. It's based on patronage. It's not based on principles or love or honor or duty. It's based on how much money can you make me? But if the DA DA can wean the ANC off of that pure griftness and actually towards maybe legacy building, for lack of a better term, I wonder if the ANC will take it. I don't think it's yes or no. It's just one of the possibilities. Yeah, and and I'm in in agreement, if I'm honest. I, I just think that there is a lot more to be got from the alliance than than would be the alternative. And I think that what it would show South Africans, especially the South Africans that are scared for for change against the, the governing party, the, the liberation movement, it would show them that the times of liberation movements are over. And even if the DA does die, I still consider that a victory because it will show South Africans that life outside of the ANC is a real possibility and apartheid will not return because even the EFF use that. Like you can't vote for Action SA because they'll bring in apartheid. You know, it's like, and it's that kind of line would just be so quickly destroyed that I think that mind shift change is more important than even the DA's survival, in my own opinion. That's, that's just how Interesting. I think it. So the mindset change is more important than the actual policies of a potential coalition. As long as yeah. the coalition exists solely for the fact that it's sort of diverse, that's good enough for you. Because you find, you find that. like Look, look at the, the areas in the Western Cape where they had coalitions, right? I mean, when people actually realized that they didn't have to vote for the ANC anymore, no one voted for the ANC anymore. Yeah. Like that, that's what happened. But it's in, in certain areas, people feel the need that they have to vote for the ANC because it's like, well, you know, what would the alternative be? You know, people will come back in here yeah, and like take away all of our, our shit or something. You know, they'll chuck us in rivers or reservations or something. You know, it's like whatever fear they may have. But where they've seen other governing parties, whether it be IFP or whether it be Action SA or whether it be, who cares? Even if it's EFF in some respects in parts of the country, it shows the electorate that the ANC is not is not the only viable option. Yeah. And then I think when people see that, the likelihood of them to go back to the abuser that is the ANC is, is less. So I, I think that mind shift change is really, really important. So... So those are the two benefits that I see overtly. Number one, having a diverse cabinet. And number two, the ANC may be migrating towards a more liberal framework for the country um, Mm. thanks to the DA. Uh, Assuming the DA is strong enough to withstand pressures of corruption and things like that, which is still up in the air. We don't know. So far, the evidence Let's not pretend that the DA doesn't have uh, corruption. I mean, it does. But I mean, it's it's, it's comparable to normal countries. It's like maybe 10, 15% percent of the top in Agreed. Africa. It's like eighty percent of the top, and in the rest, maybe we will distribute to Agreed. the people. Agreed. Every every political party is corrupt. Like that's not even. A, I just hope they're able to withstand the threshold of service delivery 
uh, versus versus greed. So those are two benefits. A third benefit, and the biggest benefit to me, is that the EFF becomes redundant. Not over. I think we should. Overnight. I think we should move on to that topic of is the EFF already redundant following the actions last night? I don't think it was actions last night. I think it was all planned. To be honest with you, uh, last night being the state of the nation address, of course. But if you are able to take the EFF's main talking points and make them completely moot by saying, oh, if whites come back, there'll be apartheid. That's going to be wrong in the coalition. And number two, it's all about land reform. Well, I mean, if you if you, if you you do land reform properly or if the DA helps to make land uh, a viable thing through their policies and the ANC agrees, everyone wins, the EFF becomes a moot party. It doesn't has, has no conditions for its own existence. So the ANCDA coalition, ironically, could destroy the EFF. Yes and no. Yes and no. Because what it could do is it could, I mean, if I was the EFF and I was Juju, I'd say this shows you that the EFF is the only real, you know, rational alternative now to the ANC because ANC is 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 inclined to jump in bed with the white monopoly capitalists and it uh, shows that they're deeply entrenched in uh, apartheid thinking and you know the other bullshit that they usually come out with so but unfortunately that bullshit does convince some people and so it is possible that the eff would actually use it to galvanize support on the basis of it's like the true anc you know the true black nationalist the the real anc sold out to what interests and i suspect that that's the that's the line that they would take because that seems to be like when in doubt use that line i mean what else sure, are you gonna use? but will it be as effective as it is now that's the i don't think it's that effective now i mean if you look at the the eff support you know around the country remember the eff was founded as a protest party to jacob zuma but mm. jacob zuma has been out of the, the spotlight for how long now a lot of people look at that and go well you know the eff still has relevance no it only has relevance because we haven't got to the end the end of the election cycle you know when we come up for the next elections in 2024 i think people are going to realize just how in some respects irrelevant the eff is um and you certainly see that when you see the by-elections around the country the eff in many instances are getting like single digit votes and they constantly keep having to tell everybody, oh, well, we don't know why it's it's so low. You know, the only time they actually seem to get any real support is in their, and should we say their strongholds, their homes, you know, Mapumalanga and, Limpopo. you know, the, the north, you know, Limpopo, you know, the shitholes, they have nothing that just fall for the, oh, we'll give you free handouts. And they're like, ah, oh, fine. You know, so, but those are also places where traditionally the voting, the voting population isn't that, should we say that numerous anyway, you know, you look, average by-election in those areas are getting like 300 people. So it's yeah. like... But also, you, it's, it's important to look at, at what, what the, the strategy of the EFF is. It was never to be a majority party. It was always to be a no. kingmaker, right? To go to, to such a... To grow to such a position that the ANC will need them, right, for, for a national election. If that is rejected, it's a 10-year project, right? And at the crucial moment, the ANC says, fuck off, I'm going with the DA. EFF has lost its point of existence, right? Because it'll never get above 12%, 15% of the vote maximum. So it's a 10-year project that'll be crumbling into dust because the ANC rejected it. Because the ANC knows if the EFF joins the ANC, that is a true parasite and that the EFF will eat the ANC for breakfast because the EFF is much smarter, much more competent and all the rest of it. The ANC can't do that to the DA and I don't think the DA could do that to the ANC because they're liberals. 
because everything's equal and we will have a negotiation. The EFF will just come in and start bashing heads as much as possible. So the entire EFF project and the edifice of the EFF will not exist if the ANC chooses the DA over the EFF. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. That's a benefit as well. I can I can see I can see the logic behind your your argument. I do wonder though. I mean now now it's going to be a, a difficult time now coming up to the end of the year because the ANC have been given a free, should we say, a free hand me down from the EFF, and that is that they they charge the stage and the current narrative is that they attack the president. Now, did they attack the president? No, I don't think so. But, no. you know, the, the, the narrative is that they attack the president. And even Ronald Lamola at the moment, who we have to remind ourselves was actually one of Juju's right-hand men, is coming out today saying that the EFF has so-called superior logic, just not in their political strategy. And <laughs> he's saying... You know, when it comes through to politics, they don't they don't have superior strategy. They've they've just got disruptive tactics. And whilst the EFF is claiming South Africa is a dictatorship, according to Ronald Lamolo, the dictatorship lies with with Juju, mm-hmm. and that is that is a marked a marked break from some of the narrative prior. Also on Twitter, there are a number of ANC MPs and a variety of mayors and councillors calling for the collapse of ANC EFF coalitions because they feel that it's no longer tenable to partner with the with the with the EFF because of the actions that they displayed yesterday. So I wonder in terms of bargaining power how much the EFF is really going to have anyway. And th- this has forced Juju, as you as we discussed last night, to come out and issue a statement that supposedly he felt his life was at risk. He says, oh there's now concerted effort against his life in South Africa. So the question I suppose we then have is, well, is he gonna is he gonna leave? Is he gonna go into exile? Is he what does that actually mean for him? Because if he just carries on his normal activities, then it's just more wind. And I think what the EFF is showing is that they are the party of of wind. And even ardent EFF supporters yesterday looked at the actions of what they had done, whether they were tame or not. And some of them were even like uh, yeah, it's very difficult for us to to kind of side with these guys because it it doesn't look good. But personally, the biggest change that I saw following the events, which I don't know if you saw, you can tell me in a sec. The political, the the media class were barred by the police from going anywhere near the EFF afterwards because they had been given instructions not to allow the EFF to use the the strategy as a political stunt. And so if you look online, you'll see that there are whole police officers barring any of the media class from going and interviewing the EFF. It's really interesting. And I do wonder if this is like, this is the moment where everybody's like, okay, it's enough airtime for the clowns. Now, if they lose their airtime, now what? Well, it's hard, hard to blow air when there is no air. Yeah, I mean, we will see, but I think, I mean, just just, Going back to the to the to the topic, uh, the ANC knows that EFF is dangerous, right? There are some hardcore mm. ideologues in the ANC that would love the EFF to be there. It's the ANC Youth League in in exile, but mm-hmm. okay, we, Cyril is a hardcore ideologue, but he's not as as smart as people think. Like he would understand that if he allows them into the fold, they will have his head for breakfast. 
And maybe that yeah. will allow him to think to himself, well, John Steenhazen will eat my head. John Steenhazen will sit around a table and we can discuss like the old days. <laughs> so maybe that's another benefit of the coalition. But of course, there's not only benefits, there are cons to an ANC-DA coalition. And the, and the most important con to me is you're giving a life raft to the ANC. You are making sure that the A, the ANC lives on, and number two, the ANC can take credit for the work that you do as the DA, which is a, a huge con. I'm not don't lie, I'm not gonna lie, that is a massive con. You are legitimizing the ANC rule of South Africa and arguably mm. helping them to do it. What do you think of this? I saw a few uh, sorry to interrupt, I saw a few things on, on Facebook. I'm friends with a lot of old school DA guys, old school conservative DA guys, and they're like the DA should never go into coalition with the ANC. They must wait their turn, take bites, even if it takes 15, 20 years, and take over fully. That's when you take over. You don't go into bed with thieves and corrupt people. The only concern is they don't think there will be anything left uh, to take over if that should happen. So what is this? What, what is your notion around giving this life raft to the ANC, legitimizing the way they've run this country? So... My personal thoughts are this whole idea that South Africa cannot be saved in the short term, I think is bullshit. I think this place could get to virtually rubble, but if you actually judge what a successful, well-governed, well-meaning regime can do, if you look at things like the guy who's now in Lesotho and you know he's a billionaire who's pushing development there, look at Singapore's own personal development, look at Japan's development. You'd be surprised at how much development could occur in a five-year cycle. I mean, it can... The reverse. Look at mid. Look at Midval. That that turnaround. Um, at the moment, we've obviously got Chris Papa and KZN. Look what he's done in his municipality in less than a year. Yeah, it is amazing the type of development and construction you can do in a very short amount of time. So, this idea that South Africa will get to a point of no return, I, I don't believe that is the case. I think any any nation, no matter how destroyed, can be can be redeemed with the right leadership. With that being said, the problem is that that leadership needs to be able to galvanize people in order to be able to provide the, let's call it the renovation, the facelift that the, the nation so desperately needs. And I think without the, without the DA in, in power, I think the people that the country needs to rebuild the place are going to disappear. And so the longer we allow that to occur, the less skill that is required for the redevelopment or the or, or the, the resurrection of South Africa, I think there's less chance of that still that skill sticking around. It's kind of like if you had regime change in Zimbabwe tomorrow to the most like liberal, just get on and do whatever you want person. There's no one left in Zimbabwe, mate. So who would who would fix the mess? Yeah, it's a twenty-year very project. difficult. That's a twenty-year project. Yeah, correct. Easily, not because you don't have the funds, huh? It's because you don't have the people, you don't have the skill. Yeah, and you don't have the trust of of foreign investors or the trust of international institutions or things like that. South Africa still has those things for now. Correct. I mean, people do look at us and laugh because there's no power, <laughs> which is fair mm. enough. But if you go to the World Bank tomorrow or the IMF tomorrow and say, "Listen, buddy, we need like you know hundred billion dollars bailouts. We'll pay you back in ten years." And these are our plans, and this is the government that's going to do it for you, which is the ANC-DA coalition. They might, the World Bank might look at them and be like, yeah, that's maybe not a bad punt. Compared to like... Well, it will be a punt. Yeah, 
But come into the bailouts in Pakistan and Angola or Nigeria where all the money just gets nicked and nothing happens, I think that the World Bank might have a bit more faith in an ANC-DA coalition than an ANC-EFF one, that's for sure. Oh, I think if there's an ANC-EFF coalition, the World Bank will laugh and they'll be like, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I think that's a given. I think that's a given. I mean, it, it, it's interesting that there are certain areas now where in Ekuruleni, they're saying that there are houses now that have gone on for sale. They haven't been for sale for 30 years because supposedly those areas are now underneath the control of EFF MMC. So it's very interesting to see the political mindset of individuals or the economic mindset of individuals when they see certain individuals that they know aren't going to have their best interests at heart. And I can't see the World Bank being different. I think if they see the EFF anywhere near the till, they'll just be like, mm-mm. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So are you worried about this concern? Maybe like legitimizing the ANC? I think the legitimizing the ANC is a genuine concern because any wins the ANC will take. Yeah. And we know that their electorate votes for the ANC based on lived experience, right? Lived mm. on how they perceive their surroundings to be. A lot of people think the ANC is just a cult and things like that. And there are elements of the electorate which is like that. Don't get me wrong. But if you look at the data and the surveys done over over decades, the ANC's growth and electoral output is much higher when the economy is growing. Around 2004, we had 5% growth. ANC got almost 70% of the vote. And it's been declining since then because the economy has been declining since then. So if yeah. the DA helps the ANC create a 5% growth economy, the ANC could become stronger. And that's a bit of an issue. I would agree. I would agree. And I can see how that would occur. You could have States of the Nation 2026, 5% growth, and Cyril will be up there going, look how great I've done. I've uh, created yeah. 6% growth. And you'll be like, it's not you, mate. It's, like, it's the DA's job. But... You know, one thing, and we we discussed this on the last podcast, if you recall. I mean, I sat there talking to you about stuff, probably talked too much. But yes, uh, did. I did I did say to you, like, one of the problems with South Africa is that the electorate doesn't understand politics. You remember that? And it's like, so I, I think this is another example of that. South African electorate doesn't understand politics. And so if you actually had a president come out there and say something to you, like, 5% growth underneath the ANC, majority of people will accept that on face value. They won't interrogate that. And yes, no. it will. It will legitimize the ANC. No. Yeah, it will. It will, which is a concern. But if the ANC does become more liberal, is that really a concern? I don't know. Like, if you're able to wean it off the hardcore socialist, communist stuff, professionalize it to some degree, thanks to the DA, it becomes a DA light party. So it's not that bad, is it? Well, what I do wonder is if, if the DA does happen to somehow form a coalition with the ANC, will it split the tripartite lines? That's a that's an interesting topic in itself. Well, I think it will. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. SACP will never work with neoliberals. And uh, I know people are going to say to themselves, listening to this, like, oh, but you guys are, are already under this impression that the DA just governs better and that, you know, they're not beholden to the WEF and all that sort of stuff. Take it from us. We know the DA very well. Uh, they do govern better. It's just obvious based on stats. You don't, they don't need to show that they do it. They can just prove it. And number two, the WF doesn't give a shit about Africa, guys, especially South Africa. It's, it's this, this notion that the WF is like, has its tentacles all over 
um, the DA. I mean, I think the DA is more inclined to be a party to the UN sustainable agenda and, and shit like that. Mm. Its capabilities of achieving those things is very limited because it's not in power. But I don't think if it is part of a, a, a national government that it's going to necessarily think the UN is the big daddy without thinking of the actual citizens of this country first. Um, mm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, one of the things and we said this many times, you know, we, we've spent some time with the DA and with key political leaders there, and there is no sense of international involvement. Now that isn't because they're just anti-international involvement It's because the international community gives zero shits about South Africa. Yeah. South Africa is not is not a area of importance for them anymore. And I know a lot of people find that hard to believe because they're like, well, it's like even the ANC find that hard to believe. They're like, oh, look, it's because you've got all these minerals and resources in South Africa. Like, no one gives a shit about the resources here anymore. No one gives a shit about the minerals. They can get those resources and minerals elsewhere for far cheaper without the labor, the labor hassle that they get here. Yeah. So the reality is even the mineral extraction or the so-called wealth extraction Possibly in the, you know, the 1890s when we had a gold rush, that was the case. But this is 2023. Like, it's no longer the case. You can get gold far cheaper from China. Yeah, so, or Russia. Or Mexico, yeah, or Russia. Or Brazil. Or wherever. Like, you know, South Africa just isn't that important strategically anymore, even from a, geo, a geopolitical or even a, an economic point of view. I mean, remember... You know, when the ANC first took over, we were the most industrialized economy in Africa with the largest economy. We're no longer the largest economy. I think we're now like number three or number four. That's right. And any individual that thinks South Africa's infrastructure could lead to the possibility of industrialization is having a laugh. So, yeah. you know, it's just, we're just not important. Yeah. And I think the notion of like selling out to foreign institutions is, is a bit of a, a, a red herring for now. We're talking about national policy uh, and the, the sellouts i mean it's possible don't get me wrong but is it worse than what the anc is doing i i, I have my sincere doubts about that uh, for now so a lot of people might be listening to this ah, but Ramon, we got you because in history you go back the nats joined the anc and where are the nats now they are dead that's true that's true but that was 1994 or 1996 or whenever the hell it was this is 2023 yeah, but you know what most people don't want to accept? The Nats wanted to die. Well, like, there, they there joined, no, there were no they joined the ANC to die. Exactly. There, there were no sustainable conditions for the Nats to exist. The Nats existed mm. solely for the apartheid state, right? That's what they were good at. Once democracy comes in, the Nats had no idea how to do democracy properly. None. The DA does, right? The, by far, to a large degree, mm. much more than the ANC. And importantly, there's just such a different context. The ANC is on the way down, not the DA. Back then, the Nats were on the way down and easily swallowed up. I mean, the Nats lost to the ANC, guys. The ANC, the worst, most useless, incompetent government the world's ever known. The Nats lost to them through negotiations. Mm. These weren't smart people. I'm not saying the DA are like super smart, high IQ types either, for the most part, but they've been around in South Africa since 1959 as a political party. They do understand South Africa very well. They do understand what they stand for. And most importantly, they are on the way up, not the other way around. So in terms of negotiations for the coalition, perhaps the DA can get somewhere a bit further 
than what the ANC would want them to to have. Yeah, so I mean, for me personally, this is how I, I think the best case scenario would be. John Stiernesen takes deputy president in 2024. There's an elective conference prior to 2028. A new letter, a new leader is chosen and the DA runs on a new platform. The DA will at least have some track record and power. John Stiernesen can shed himself of, D, of ANC legacy. The DA can sit there and, and run on a brand new platform, showing people that if you vote for it, a part it doesn't return. That's a that's a good strategy. I think it is a good strategy. About twenty twenty eight, who knows? Maybe actually say it's at ten percent, maybe the Free Front Plus at five, maybe the IP at fifteen, and then you can have a minority coalition. But unfortunately that's not turning out well for twenty twenty four, because actually say a bunch of nobbins. IP is still finding its way after being at the teeth of the ANC for fifteen years. And actually say, well, and the, and and the rest, we don't really know quite yet. Once you break the stranglehold of ANC electoral support, and there is a credible alternative that includes the ANC, but then excludes it later on, that's probably the best strategy to have moving forward. Because the alternative is credibility through the EFF, and that's just a disaster. 100% agree. I 100% agree. I don't think we will get that. To be honest, I mean, we, we said it, and I know a lot of people were like, oh, you guys, and, you know, a lot of people didn't understand the the thing that, you remember we did a video about coalitions with the EFF and the loss of confidence in the DA mayor. So we actually did a video, and then a lot of the comments were like, oh, you guys, you know, you're pushing the EFF into the arms of the ANC and blah, blah, blah. And they, they missed a key point that we made in that video. We consider the coalitions right now to be a good thing. Because what they will do to each party is highlight that they cannot work together. Exactly. So if you can't work together in Ekuruleni, if you can't work together in Joburg, if you can't work together in in Swane or wherever else, what the fuck choice are you going to have to run the, the national government in 2024? It's just not going to happen. And that's a key so, point. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's a key point. This is a coalition of, of patronage. Right. And what does ha- what happens in patronage? You fight over it. Who gets the tender, under what conditions, for how long, et cetera, et cetera. There will always be disagreements and arguments and fights over all this stuff. I don't expect the Joburg mayor to last very long, right? I don't expect this coalition to last very long either in Joburg. Mm-hmm. We're going to have perpetual change till the kingdom come. But if the DA and the ANC can sort of agree on a set of foundational principles, not based on graft, but based on leaving a legacy, that's what Cyril wants, guys. Last night at Sona, he said, why am I still doing this job? I could be knee deep in vodka and Ibiza with all my money. He says, well, Mandela says, do whatever small part you can to make the country better. That's what he wants. He knows he can do that with the DA far more than with the EFF. It is as simple as that. So and if the DA and the ANC can have a solid set of coalition principles and agreements bound in law, the sustainability thereof is much higher than a left-wing commie grafty coalition agreement. Ramaphosa says he's a socialist. That's what he says on camera. Then when he's at business, he says he's a business guy. Then when he's there with the with the people and the and the shitholes, he says he comes from a you know poor background. Then when he's with the rich people at their estates, he's like, I'm one of you, I'm a rich guy. The reality of the situation is Ramaphosa is a chameleon. He'll he'll go with whichever side he's he's there with. 
And I think the state of the nation really gave us a good example of that last night. In one respect, he keeps coming out with these stupid commie slogans, no one left behind, proper commie bullshit. You know, we have to worry about the poor. We have to provide for everybody so that they, they're not disadvantaged, proper commie bullshit, you know. Like, but then occasionally he comes out with some really weird things, like you should be, we're going to enable you to be self-sufficient, which is like really not commie bullshit at all. You know, it goes against central command. Then he's like, we want to give you the tools to be able to be a small, medium-owned enterprise. You know, we want to allow you to do that in the easiest way possible. Like, okay, well, that's that's strange because usually commies don't don't promote business, especially small business. Because you see, this is what people don't understand. Government wants to control big business because, to a large degree, biz, big businesses are monopolies, and they get to a point where they're too big to fail, and they're so big that their interests become intrinsically aligned with governments. And so it's more, it's easier for governments to persuade big business to follow their agendas because they're just intrinsically linked. I mean, if I'm a corporate 500 and I'm beholden to government regulation, then, you know, I have to follow the rules. Otherwise they, they have the ability to shut down this 25,000 employee mega tycoon. You don't have that with small businesses. It's like mom and pop place with like 10 employees. Government doesn't really have that much like say over it. So it's, you, you find in a lot of commie states, they're very pro corporatism, but not very pro small business. And so when Roman Paul's is in there going, I like small business, you know, that's really weird because that's, that's not very commie. He talked about the million title deeds that they want to go out, which means, you know, property rights in South Africa, like, Sakhalika has been trying to force the government to get their shit together and give all these title deeds to people because it unlocks capital wealth. I mean, property, all this capital wealth that those title deeds will generate for the individuals when they have those title deeds and the ability to bond the property, trade the property, sell the property. You know, it, it unlocks a serious amount of private capital, which isn't very commie of him. But then he does it with these other kind of commie bullshit policies. So the question is, you have to understand that what the what Cyril's really good at is sitting on a fence. Yeah. And the question is going to become, if he has a DA coalition, is he more likely to fall on the, the liberal side? And if he has an EFF, is he more likely to fall onto the, the Marxist side? I suppose that's, that's the question that you're raising, right? Yeah, very much so. And if you listen to the Sona address... For, for the past six of them, what does he want? To grow the economy, end load shedding, make South African ports great, fix the railway lines, etc. for economic growth. All he wants is economic growth. Like his, his ideas about how to do that are like moronic for mm. the most part. But if the DA and the ANC want the same thing, it's much better for them to be together than not. Because the EFF don't give a shit about economic growth. <laughs> At all. Mm -mm. They and they're very clear wanna, on that they just want to redistribute nationalize and and all the rest of it so there's nothing left so if you if you really listen to Cyril's speech properly without him explaining how he's going to do stuff it's a da speech let's be honest if you just left out the details it's a da speech through and through 100 percent. now i think what's also interesting about that is you said he wants to grow the economy but what he keeps failing on it i think the problem that Cyril has and you know we've we've discussed this many many times he has to have a cabinet of individuals that run certain portfolios right yep. but the people he has to choose from are so shit and yes. tainted and useless 
that you know you you got to get to a point where you're like i need to fill these positions but who the fuck do i even get because they're all so useless so the talent pool is just so pathetic and so you get people like patel who's a communist running you know business enterprise and lo and behold all of the legislation he puts out there protects the workers and fucks the business and then you're like oh look there's no economic growth like yeah because you've got a commie in charge of it yeah. And so everybody goes, well, put somebody else in charge. And so the challenge I give you, dear viewer, is fucking who? Mm. Yeah, because he has to pick from a, a, a very shallow talent pool. If he's in coalition with the DA, the talent pool grows substantially. Correct. And so that's another, that's another benefit, right? Mm -hmm. So then it allows him to kind of make those things. Like everybody's going, oh, he should, he should shuffle the cabinets and give somebody else a go. And you kind of like, when you look at it, you're like, so I got Tweedledum or Tweedledee, but they're both still dumbasses. Like, so you know, do do you want this dumbass or this dumbass? Because you know you're going to get a dumbass, right? And I think that's what everybody gets really disappointed at. They're like, "Why'd you point to dumbass?" You're like, "Because I got a choice of dumbass one or dumbass two. It's they're both dumbass." I think if he gets at least the DA's talent pool, he could potentially look to give these portfolios to to people outside of his inner circle, which yeah. could allow them to do interesting things yeah and the da could force him to do that and, and here's my conspiracy so i don't think it's the intention of the da to do this but the da is going to court based on care deployment based on devolution of rail based on devolution of policing all that sort of stuff if that all goes through the constitutional court it's not going to be in time for the next election don't get me wrong but if that happens the ministerial positions become less important don't you think mm. So maybe there's more inclination because it's less important for Cyril not to think of them as necessary for his patronage because now it's all devolved. So the ministers become not figureheads, but it'd be far, a far less important job. So he's more willing to give it to the DA in that instance than otherwise. I think if the, you have forms of devolution, it takes away the political power that can be gained by a ministerial position. Yes. And it makes those positions less attractive to the individual running the portfolio anyway, because they no longer become the arbiters of, you know, things like the awarding of tenders. They no longer become as politically important or economically important as they are to the parties aside with those, those ministers. So naturally it would be harder to, I think in the first instance, it's going to be hard to persuade ANC ministers not to take, or ANC members not to take ministerial positions when they, when they intrinsically, mentally align those ministerial posts with self-enrichment. They're going to be like, yeah, but I want that because, you know, me mula, yeah? I, want my, I want my mula. But if the mula train kind of dries up because those roles become less, should we say, lucrative because of the, the structuring of the role itself, then it may be less likely that the ANC will split if the, if the positions aren't awarded to ANC individuals. Yep. Very true. So, I mean, those are all my talking points. I think on the balance of probabilities, on the, on the risk reward ratio, on a variety of things, I think actually a coalition between the DA and the ANC could be a net good for South Africa rather than a net negative. I think the risks can be mitigated to a large extent. I'm not saying that this is, coalition should it exist is going to last for five years right coalitions are generally rocky they're generally unstable and and you know we've seen that happen 
But out of all the possibilities for a coalition, I think this one has the best chance of a success than any of the others. <clears throat> so I hope during the course of this conversation, you're able to see our points of view. Hopefully we've argued the points quite well. And of course, if you still disagree with us, you're more than welcome to send us a comment on Substack and we can have a fight there. I agree. I agree. I think I think it's the closest John's going to get to presidency. Personally. I think Deputy President to Sir Ramaphosa is the closest John's going to get. Whether that is a reality or maybe he has to take a ministerial position instead, I don't know. But either way, for me personally, I think the narrative change outweighs the potential damage to the party itself. Yeah, I would agree as well. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to the Morning Shot Uncut podcast, available every single Friday on Substack. And of course, if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, it is linked in the email that notifies you that this thing's out. So anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. See you in the next one. Cheers. Take it easy. Bye.